0: They've been spiking the purple Kool-Aid since October of 2012. And who wants to listen to that?
1: It's the Amadio Podcast.
0: And now, here are your hosts, Grant Tommy
1: and Doug Rochelleau. Audio podcast. I'm your host Green Tommy, and this episode, No Doug, as uh, season five starts for the EM Audio podcast. Here, it's going to have a little bit of a different look. In the first two episodes, uh, we will be doing preview episodes of the opponents in front of us. Um, but before we do that, special thanks to having the opportunity once again from Tim Fitzgerald and his staff at GoPowerCat.com to be able to have a fifth rendition of the Imadio podcast. But the Texas Tech Red Raiders come to Manhattan this Saturday, and as I mentioned, being a preview show, to do so, I've enlisted the help of a long friend of the podcast, Seth Youngman, the site manager at stakingtheplanes.com. Seth, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me on, I really appreciate it. And I think that we're past like blog friends, I think that we're actually just friends, right?
1: Yeah, yeah no, I think so too, I... Maybe I didn't enunciate well enough I was saying long time friend uh because it's been this is probably at least the 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 fifth time at least I've interviewed you, and it's it's you know that's what's been so fruitful about the the podcasting experience uh, over the the five plus years that I've been doing it is developing these relationships and and seth um uh we do have Lubbock on our sites next year, my wife and I for the annual road game that we like to make, but um speaking of road games it is. A road game for the Texas Tech Red Raiders and uh, what I'm curious to know from from your perspective Seth is just uh, coming off of a, a three-game losing streak are the Red Raiders and just sort of maybe some of the upperclassmen knowing how the last three or four or two seasons have gone with the hot starts and trailing off at the end wh- where do you think this Texas Tech Red Raider team is emotionally uh, at the at the current state
0: well that's a good question and I'm not totally sure. So, I guess there's one caveat, which is, um, but <clears throat> now I think that it's important to kind of understand, too, that we played three ranked opponents, um, Oklahoma being the best team, and Iowa State, being, I think they're ranked now, and Texas being ranked. So, it's not like it's been, like, past that you've lost the team that you shouldn't have. Um, so, you know, they've been within one score for pretty much, each one of those games. Uh, granted, two of them were at home um, and really were a 1-1 score in aim until and throws, just kind of this weird pass that ended up being a safety and then they scored quickly and so it ended up, the score looked a lot worse than what the, the game actually was. So so maybe just from a, how they're feeling standpoint, hey look, you know, maybe you feel like it was pretty good because you we were pretty darn close. Um, In all of these games, and um, one of them was in Ames, and they played really well on the road too. They played well at PCU, played really well at Oklahoma State. So, you know, um, I I tend to think that this group is pretty resilient. Team Barry's kind of been talking about how you know the team has to be pretty resilient overall, and I I I I tend to think that they've kind of taken that in. I think that. They played hard to the end on every game, Uh, so you know I know that that doesn't count as a as a a win in the win loss ledger. But it's you know I don't think that they've given up or anything like that. So I think they're I think they're probably feeling pretty good.
1: Well, I think certainly for me, for an outsider looking in, an outside perspective, if you will, I I I do think Texas Tech passes the eye test a little better than they have in years past, and, and that's something I'll Probably try to touch on later, but um, you know, you mentioned Alan Bowman throwing a, the weird pass uh, ends up in a safety uh, at up in Ames. Um, but you know, when he hit the hit the ground running, whichever I forget which I want to say it was the Oklahoma State game was his sort of breakout game or, or debut game. Am I correct with that one? Or
0: no, he actually had to start playing the very first game of the year. So McClain Carter was the starter, the name starter, and he lasted maybe two series before he had a high ankle strain. and was basically, he's been out since. He tried to play, I can't remember what game he tried to play, but it didn't work out. He still couldn't push off the ankle. And so he got shelled again. I mean, he came in for maybe like a series or something like that. And so, um, and so it's been either Jet Duffy and or... Uh, Alan Bowman, who really technically are the second and or third team quarterback um, based upon the preseason depth chart, which is McClain Carter and then Alan Bowman and then Jet Duffy. So,
1: well, I was going to ask is I, I don't remember which, which of the games was Bowman's breakout game, but I, I think the rest of the conference saw that. I think he, if I c- remember correctly, he broke one of uh patrick Mahomes' freshman records or something but i think that from a league's perspective we're like oh great tech's got their next guy when when that happened yeah. so it was really it was really sad to see of course he's been battling this collapsed lung issue um which as all indications are he's not playing anymore the rest of the season which i would hope not i would think. Um, much like a concussion, uh, it's one thing to come back from one collapsed lung, uh, but to come back from <laughs> two, and that it, you probably just don't want to mess up someone's health with with that being the case. So so in comes Jet Duffy, um, and you know in that Oklahoma game, of course, uh, it, it was a heck of a game uh, with with Bowman playing the first half, um, and and yeah, when when Duffy comes in off the bench, he looks a little out of sorts, a little uncomfortable, but I think. I think having to step up in that spotlight in those conditions two weeks in a row of course then last week being the Texas game um I think personally uh, I could see some some growth and he you could definitely tell from a mental standpoint the kid was trying as hard as he could not uh you know not to mess up or not to to make mistakes but it was, uh, certainly the spotlight was quite huge What kind of growth have you seen out of jet duffy um in, in spite of being thrown into into those precarious situations.
0: So he got thrown into the TCU fire, which is never an easy place to play, and it's always tough going against a defense. And basically he only completed some, like, really big plays. Um, and so he was really kind of limited. He didn't kind of move the chains like he kind of really wanted or like you've seen some Texas Tech quarterbacks. And so he kind of did the same thing against Oklahoma. He didn't really move the chains. There were so many three and outs, and the offense kind of stalled. And maybe that was, you know, partly Oklahoma, just playing good defense. But then against Texas, you kind of saw where he was completing the intermediate throws, and he was using his arm more than his leg, which is something that he's really, really talented at. And so I think that's kind of been one of Kingsbury's things, which is to say, hey, look, you're, you're – your legs are great you can move the ball with your feet but you, your greatest weapon is going to be your arm and if you can complete passes you need to complete passes and not try and run the ball um, and so I think we saw a lot more of that I mean he still ran for 80 yards which I think that kind of just comes naturally but he also threw for over 400 so I think Kingsbury would much rather have that part of it with the. I don't know, it was something like an eighty percent completion rate or seventy six or something like that. So he he did much better on those short to intermediate passes and taking advantage of what the defense gave him, like running back screens and passes over the middle and then we've got these six five receivers, you know, throwing the ball up to them. So that's just kind of it makes the offense feel a lot better whenever you do that as opposed to trying to be the hero.
1: Well, certainly, um, I would encourage my quarterback as well to to throw more. If you have a Blitnikoff semifinalist and Antoine Wesley, and then oh by the way, J.D.N. High and T.J. Vasher uh, are are some pretty talented wide receivers as well. But you talked about Duffy's ability to use his legs, and um, what I was curious about is so how how does the tailback position? Weave into all of that. Is is it good enough to complement both? You know, if if Duffy can be a threat to run it, but also you, you've got this talented wide receivers. How does how do the tailbacks uh, sort of figure into the equation?
0: So the best tailback is a guy named Dalion Ward, and he's kind of been shelved for most of the year. With just Kingsbury's never really um, fully elaborated, you know, from the health issues that he has, but. He's back healthy now, and I think that's been very beneficial for him. Um, He's the team's best runner for sure, and having him healthy has been really good. But I've been very disappointed in the running game overall. It's been very stagnant, except for Duffy's legs. And I know that if you look at the team rushing totals, it looks really great, but that's really because Duffy's done such a great job. And so um, – I'd love to see the, the the offensive line, which is really kind of a veteran group, be more effective running the ball, but they just haven't done that. And Kingsbury mentioned today that you know they kind of had a plan to run the ball, but then they were down twenty-seven to ten, and they were like, "Well, we can't. We're not going to come back if we just keep running the ball. We need to, you know, throw the ball and try to put some points on the board." So. Um, I'd be interested to see if they were able to stop running game early against Kansas State, which I think would be beneficial um, because I can't remember if K-State has been really good event, or been better against the run or the pass. Um, I want to say it's better against the pass, but I just can't remember.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a little bit more. Uh, we're a little better against the pass this year. Typically it's been reverse, um, but uh, I think that's because teams are finding they can run against this Kansas State defense. It's it's a bad tackling team this year, but certainly I think the opportunity does does lend itself there for uh, the Tech running game maybe to maybe to have the potential to get going. But, Seth, if I switch it over to the other side of the ball and we start talking a little bit of defense, you know, there's been a lot made out of how much better this Tech defense, how, what kind of strides they've made from uh, year to year now in, in two consecutive years really. Um, Now, a little bit of that is, sadly, you know, it's a bit of a relative term because of how bad it was three seasons ago um, or two seasons ago, three years ago. Um, But like I mentioned earlier, I I do think as I've watched this Tech team, uh, you know, the way they're flying to the ball, uh, that they don't seem to many times be outrun or or out-athleted. At least, again, it's just... Maybe a small sample size on my part, but um, you know we we are ten games in now. So from from your perspective, like tangibly, what what do you point to with this defense as being a clear improvement um, here in twenty eighteen over twenty seventeen?
0: That's a really good question. Um, you know, you, the, the knock on the defense has always been boy, they just look really incompetent and they haven't looked incompetent this year. You know, they look like a normal defense, and maybe the stats don't really play it out yet, Um, but I think that they are comparable with most defenses in the Big 12. I mean, yeah, they give up some big plays, but, you know, who doesn't? So, um, So from my perspective, they've just been pretty solid. I think that they've been much better against the run. They have a very good defensive line and a very good linebacking core. If Dakota Allen is healthy, it's probably one of the better linebacking cores in the Big 12. If he's not, you know, there's a couple guys there that are okay and they're not as good as him, but they're still very serviceable. And I think, you know, so there's depth um, at the linebacker spot, and I think there's also depth at the, the defensive line. I think where Tech has struggled is against the pass, where they've just been not very good at all. And they tend to give up really big plays and, you know, Again, that's probably lacking the big help to some extent, but you know, it'd be nice. You know, if we could kind of make some improvement there, um, but but definitely the defensive line and the linebackers is where Tech is probably the best at defensively.
1: Well, for the, from the Kansas State perspective, I, a lot of times uh, the fan base here we like to point to some you know like discipline categories, which is where we would in the past uh, historically have really excelled in compared to texas tech but entering this game both teams are at a minus two turnover margin um penalties seem to still be a little bit of a problem for texas tech but special teams these are usually the three categories i've had looked to over the course of uh, when i was running my podcast and you know historically again k-state would excel in in uh, special teams but it's it's what might be a little bit of a shock for Kansas State fans, I would say Texas Tech has the clear clear edge in special teams between the return capabilities of Taquan Bowman. And then, of course, your field goal kicker, Clayton Hatfield, is much more consistent than the Kansas State kicking team. Um, I guess what I'll ask you, though, from your perspective, like has special teams been a noticeable difference for you guys in 2018?
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has. So, Tech hired a guy named Adam Shire, who was basically just kind of one of those assistants for Ohio State um, the past couple years where, you know, he gets paid to basically be kind of a guy that's an analyst, more or less. He wasn't an assistant coach. And so, uh, Tech hired him, or Kingsbury hired him, and he's been really, really good. Um, We had a horrible hunting situation last year, and it's the same punter, but you know, he had one bad game against Ole Miss, and then he's been fantastic the rest of the way. And the same thing with the kicker. Last year we had, you know, Clayton Hatfield was our kicker, and he got injured early in the year, really didn't play at all, um, before the season even started, and so we didn't have a reliable backup. Well, he's been healthy all year, so that makes a huge difference. And you know, on coverage and kick returns, you know, we had a blocked ton against Iowa State. You know, so there's just been a handful of really – good plays and that's always the hard thing about special teams because you know your the biggest goal is to not mess anything up but if you can make a special play in those very limited plays that you actually do have that's where you shine and they've actually made some pretty good plays in those very limited opportunities that they've had and so yeah it's been a total revelation um, Adam Shire has been really really good and he's kind of got an interesting story he is uh his wife, I think, is a vet in North Carolina, so his family was all in North Carolina. He lives in Lubbock uh, during the season. I think he's going to go home during the off-season and all of that other good stuff. I mean, his wife is a vet, and she has something like 30 animals at home or something like, it, just like that <laughs> uh, because she can't turn any animal away. So um, He appears to be a really good guy and all those other good things. So, yeah, I think he's been really lucky to have him.
1: Well, I think if this game ends up being a tight ball game, I, I have to. I personally feel like I got to give the edge to to Texas Tech for the, for those reasons that we just outlaid. You know, special teams is gonna. If it comes down to a field goal, um, I, I'm liking Tech's chances. So we'll kind of we'll kind of end with that. The the game prediction time. Everybody's podcast guest's favorite part of the podcast is having to throw out a prediction, but. Um, seth i will weave in another question there, so if you want to take it a different direction and avoid the game prediction that's fine as well. Uh, I believe that's what I did on your podcast so um if somehow k State would pull off the and i'll I'll call it an upset i guess in, in this scenario um it has cliff Kingsbury you know he's been unfortunately his plateau's been kind of this seven and five uh that record so if somehow. How do you see the game playing out? And um, if it didn't play out in the Texas Tech Red Raiders' favor, does does Coach Cliff Kingsbury, after you know, is it six years now? Does does he make it to the to twenty nineteen season kickoff?
0: Well, so I don't I don't think that he does. Someone mentioned this in the comments earlier that if Tech loses to not State that basically, well not basically, Tech and Kansas State have the exact same record. So tell me how you guys feel about how Kansas State has done this year. And so even though all these good things have happened, winning on the road against Oklahoma State and against TCU and whatever, I guess it could be really turned around really quickly if you lose to a team that you're expected to win by a touchdown or so. So I think the line opened at 8 and maybe it's down to 6.5 or 6. So so, I mean, that should tell you everything that you need to know right there, that, you know, you lose this game and you have the exact same record as the Wildcats. So, are you guys disappointed in the season or are you ecstatic after <laughs> Or are you still thinking, well, we probably still need to move on from Snyder? Um, so, um, you know, for me, I think that, you know, Texas Tech should win this game. It should be a at least a touchdown win, I think, for Texas Tech. I think that they are that much better. You, you know, there's so much that's going to be in play because it's senior day for Kansas State. I think the kids probably love playing for Coach Snyder to a certain extent. And so the emotional part of it is going to, have to be, a, I think, a huge part of the deal. And I don't know how to weigh that. Um, you know, we can look at, you know, S&P Plus and different things like that, and that can give you an idea that, sometimes this game is played on emotion so much that, you know, I I don't know how to determine um, how that plays out uh, over the course of this game because, you know, I think that they would love to probably, you know, put Snyder on his, on their shoulders and marching out the stadium kind of thing. Um, But, you know, and that would be, of course, just so, Perfect in a bad sort of way as to how it would potentially end for Kingsbury. You know, he really is loved at Texas Tech. I think that a lot of a lot of people really like him, but, um, but you know, you, you've got to win. So.
1: Well, we'll see if the Wildcats can make it four straight against the Texas Tech Red Raiders in Manhattan. But Seth, I want to thank you for your time and thanks for coming on the show. It's it's a uh, I th- I want to say that you were my first uh, outside outside school interview when I started doing this crazy thing uh, five, six years ago. So it seems a little poetic that uh, you got to be my first guest to help kick off Season 5 on the Imadio Podcast.
0: Well, hey, I really appreciate all the time you've always given me, and I'm always happy to be on at any time.
1: So, Seth, before uh, we send you off, just real quick for the, uh, for the listeners, if they want to catch up on any of your content, maybe follow you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle and, and uh, once again, for the, the people, your website?
0: So the website is stakingtheplanes.com, S-T-A-K-I-N-G, theplanes.com. Uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Seth C underscore J, Uh, That's FD underscore J, and that's
1: where you can find it. That'll do it for this episode of the Mario Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Until next time, peace out.